Hello and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast. My name is Ryan Carruthers and I am your host. Thank you guys for tuning in, listening to this podcast. I really appreciate that you take time out of your day, whether you're driving to work, whether whether you're working, whether you're on your lunch break, whatever, to listen to this podcast. Today's podcast is just going to be with me. I know that sometimes I interview some people and we do different bits and bobs with that, but what I wanted to do was just literally delve in and do a a podcast on how I find my deals, my development deals. And I'm going to be brutally honest, guys, and and go into the the time that it takes um, and all those kinds of things. I get do get asked this question a lot, and I think people sometimes are expecting me to say something completely out of the blue or you know give them the golden nugget that they need but genuinely it just comes down to a lot of hard work and a four-step process so the four-step process which i have is literally number one is to select an area of land that i think would probably work number two is the approach so approach to the owner number three is the offer and number four is is the agreement. So starting with select, how do I select the land? Well, I literally go to the area. So I will go to the area, I will drive around a, a village or I'll park the car up, I'll walk around a certain area where I think could be potential, that I know the area, and I'm just literally looking for different bits at the end of streets so carrying on street scenes i'm looking for houses that sit on good plots from from street level all of those kinds of things this is what i'm looking for and i'm chatting to people as well while i'm there Um, i'm looking for farms i'm looking for warehouses i'm looking for all of these kinds of things what i do is i take a photo of them on my phone and i add them to a trello card so that's one area that i I select the land. I also do some Land Insight stuff. So I am a member of of Land Insight website. I use Land Insight all of the time. It gives you that bird's eye view and you can put... So what I do there is I put the ownership setting on. So I put the ownership setting onto Land Insight and then I hover over a village or an area of, of my city. And I will spend a good couple of hours doing this. Now what I'm looking for when I'm looking in the the ownership setting of, of Land Insight, because it puts the boundary lines onto all of the plots, I'm looking for big size plots, so plots that might have one unit on and it looks like you could maybe get two or three on. I'm looking for funny shaped plots. I'm looking for plots at the end of the street scene. I'm looking for plots behind the street that might have a little entrance way in. So there is an entrance in and then there's a big plot behind it. And I'm also looking for for warehouses and those kinds of things, which you can do in Land Insight. So, so that's sort of two ways of finding my leads. My other leads break down into agents. I spend a lot of time speaking to agents, building up my relationships, keeping those relationships strong, keep informing them of exactly what I want from the land, what I'm looking for, what I'm not looking for. Another good port of call for me is solicitors. I know a lot of solicitors and I always make sure that they will, if they have a client who would be wanting to sell their land, make it sure that known that I would be interested in talking to them about it. Sources, 
I connect with a lot of sources in my area and try and build up relationships with them so that and not it's not for me I speak when I speak to a lot of the sources if they've got I always say to them if they've got a really good project I can I can pretty much get that funded for them I'm sure of that and I'll bring them in on the deal so instead of just getting a sourcing fee they will actually get a cut of the deal and that motivates them planning consultants is another one that I find some really really good deals come from from planning consultants because they're getting planning foresights for their clients and they know firsthand what that client wants to do with that. So if that client wants to sell that piece of land, then if they know me and they've worked with me and they know that that's exactly what I'm looking for and I've looked after them, then they're going to refer me potentially to their client because it's fantastic for them. They know their client wants to sell the land. They're going to be able to have a buyer for it. It's exactly the same with architects, exactly the same principle. They want their, they know if their client wants to sell that land and why they're going for the drawings, etc. And they know that you want to buy so they can harbour that deal and, and make it happen. Another good one for me is the planning portal. So I have the planning portal scraped and then I lay some artificial intelligence over the top of that, which just highlights opportunities that would work for me. So it won't show me things like a tree being felled. It will just show me somebody going in for planning on five to 10 houses or whatever. So if they're looking to build something quite substantial, then I will get notified. So the process there is, there's a lot of numbers there, guys. We are talking, sending a lot of letters out, picking up the phone a lot, talking to a lot, a lot of people all the time, and it's constant. And I track that through Trello, so I have a board in Trello with my potential deals on. And it's very, very simple. Simple, a deal, a deal pipeline, a deal pipeline, sorry, not a pipeline. So I have on one row I have areas, so I know all the areas which I'm looking at. It's just a bit of a list for me to be able to rifle through and spend some time if I've got 20 minutes 30 minutes or an hour where I'm free I can dive into to that list and just pick another village or an area and start to look through that then if I do spot an opportunity I add it to the opportunity list and then on there I have the cards so I can put in the if it's, if it's planning for example it's got a planning um on it then I will add all of the information about that so I can add the address where it's come from absolutely everything and I have these labels as well um, two letter etc 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 so then I can go in and get my VA to to send out my my letter to these these people and once I've done that they're on the opportunities list then so then I go through them and then once they've been highlighted an opportunity they move into the letter drop and then they move into the the research or the delve section and then it's a contact later or a discarded and then they get deleted so now i've covered the select element we selected the land we are looking now at what happens next so it's the approach so how do i approach these people well i send them a letter i have a letter introducing myself which i'm constantly evolving and just highlighting the opportunity to these people that 
I have seen a potential development opportunity that they own and I would be interested in meeting with them about about purchasing it. And then from here, guys, it really does go into meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. The problem with development, and it's, it's not a massive problem, it's one that I think people should know about, is that these it, it takes time. It takes so much time, so much energy. You've got to meet landowners lots and lots and lots of times and appreciate that this potentially could be the biggest transaction that they ever, ever do. So you've got to have patience with them. I'm currently sat, and I have been sat with landowners, a particular group of them that own a plot of land and it's a sizable plot of land. And I've been working on this one for two years with these guys, two years. Never in their life did they ever think that this would this would happen, this would go this way. They have a business that is is sat on a sizable piece of land and they only bought the land because they needed to relocate the business and it worked to be in this location. So now I'm dealing with them, dealing with multiple people and we're working through this. But you've got to appreciate that it takes so much time. And the more time you spend with people, the better your rapport is. And the closer you get to the project, the closer you get to getting over the line, but also the closer you get to an agreement. I always think if you spend enough time with people, and I'm, I'm very much a people person, and I love meeting new people, finding out about their lives, chatting to them and all those kinds of things. Because the big boys, the big landowners, they don't do that. They have to shoot off for another meeting to go and chase another land piece of land. They're just running around. Where I schedule enough time to be able to sit and talk to, to landowners, especially the first few times that I'm meeting them, and just get to know them, get to know the goals, get to know why they're looking to sell the land and the motivation behind that. And I do ask a lot of questions, and I really try and find out what they really, really want from this transaction and <coughs> pardon me, and how I can help that transaction and how I can get them to where they want to be. Sometimes that might be that they're going to release a big cash injection. So I, I want to know what they're going to use that cash for and how it's going to benefit their life and how I can be a part of that. And I'm quite open book here as well with them. I, I make no qualms about it or no apologies that I I have to make money and sometimes these these offers that I make might not be where you want them to be um, but by working together we can we can probably iron that out quite early and then build the relationship and also I, I've, I've got to make a minimum of x percent profit to be able to take this forward to my investors to the bank to get this funded. And I think it's just about being honest with with people and being straight right from the start and working with them. So it's meetings and meetings and meetings. Now, the kinds of things that I'm saying to the people are, OK, so you've got this piece of land. What's the goal then? Tell me how you acquired this piece of land. Tell me why you bought it. Tell me why you're selling it. And I'm quiet a lot of the time. And if you ask enough questions and you ask the right questions things like so what is the what is <coughs> so what would this money then do for you what are you going to do with the money what are you going to do when you retire you know what 
did you have any plans to do any development on here? Because sometimes as well, it's about being creative with the landowners. Sometimes everybody wants to be a property developer. They might harbour that inner desire to do that. But for some reason, they haven't. They might be scared about doing it. And now you can step in and you can say to them, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. We could do a joint venture on this. If you put in the land, I can bring in the bill cost and you get to be part of the project. Because some, sometimes the land that is owned is quite sentimental to them. It's been in the family for a long period of time. And they might not really want to sell, but markets have changed and they've got to sell. So it's about understanding where that person's coming from and how you can help that person to generate the best outcome for everybody. So it's a really long, it's a long play land, guys. And then from there, I always contact the owner with an offer. So number three for me is the offer. And I explain the offer. So I know Nick Carlisle is great at this and says that when you pay what people want for something, you're able to be flexible on terms. You can never be flexible on terms and prices, one or the other. So if you're flexible on price, the terms will be usually a lot more not difficult but they will be stricter and they will probably not be all the terms that you would have wanted but if you've agreed the price and they're happy they're they are very happy with that price and you're giving them the price they want you can be very flexible on the terms and then that can actually really really help you out and it's about being creative with these deals i don't think any deal i've done has been the same they've all been very different some are very creative some aren't creative at all it's just a straight purchase sometimes it's okay I might be able to buy that then at that price but what I'm going to need from that is I'm going to need an option period of a year two years so that I can go off and get the acceptable planning to make it worth while me buying it at that price and then what that does is that allows you the time to have the exclusivity on the land, to be able to go out, do the sites visits, do the designs, get everything lined up and then go for planning. And then you can get all of the surveys done, everything can be ready and you can go in for planning, get full planning and then exercise the option. So when I've contacted the owner, if the land has been agreed, number four is the agreement, I have that legally drawn up straight purchase I'll I'll buy it straight out if it's an option there might be a option deposit or a fee paid to them sometimes I will cover their legal fees instead it all depends on the individual and, and what they want always done through solicitors I get the option agreements done and get them signed up and then I know that I've got the exclusivity and then I can go off and do that but what I really, really want to stress here as well is that this whole process, I mean, I think this podcast so far has been about 15 minutes. This, po- this process could take two, three, four years. Two, three or four years. Maybe even a year. And even if you get a, a, a deal, a land deal agreed and signed up, it still takes time. And I think people don't, appreciate that that probably because they're not told so i bought a plot of land out at a village in lincoln 
And I bought that well over a year ago with outline planning. It's taken a full year to get the reserve matters off that. It's a full year of paying money out. So you've got to be able to, to cover those costs. And there's costs that people won't, won't know about. So you've got to pay for surveys. You've got to have more. It seems to me now you have to have more and more surveys. The council are requesting different surveys. So you, you've just got to have them. But they cost money. So your environmentals, all of these kind of... Your highways, all of these kinds of agreements as well that need to be put in place with the water board, with highways, with the council, you know, with the refuge, everything that you need... You've got to have these and you've got to have the drainage as well. So people don't always think about the drainage because you can build something for X, but the drainage has got to be thought about and it's got to be included in the surveys. And you've got to think about how much that's going to cost and how long it's going to take. You might have a site that the road, the main road that you're going to connect to is higher or lower than the, the new road you're building just because that's the, the site. So you've got to have a plan for that. And usually it's a survey that's going to cost you a few pounds. And then to have these agreements with all of the local councils, etc. So planning is going to take time. And also, maybe you need a pumping station. Because you do not want the... How can I put this nicely? You, you want to be able to take away... All of the um, crap, basically, from the houses into the sewers. You do not want that being pumped into people's gardens when it overflows in winter, etc., etc., etc. So you've got to have drainage. You've got to have these things, and you've got to think about them. And also technical drawings. You need technical drawings for your builders to quote and build from. So... They take time, quite quite a few hours. And your design packs, all of these things take time and cost money. So you've got to factor these in. You've, you've just got to. And one of the things as well that you've got to factor in is your landscaping. Too many times I see and hear people saying, yeah, I can build for X amount per square foot. And I think, well, that sounds a little bit low, that. Unless you've got a build team in, in-house or a, a JV builder, then yeah, maybe. But... Have you included landscaping? Oh, no. Because a lot of the councils now are making landscaping a big, big, big priority. So you, you've got to have it. It's a condition of planning. You've got to have a landscape plan. You've got to have a landscaping survey, another survey. And then it's an agreement. So it, you've, you've got to do it. But there's a cost in there. So it's got to be factored into your costs. So hopefully, guys, over that, that podcast it's a little bit shorter than the interview podcast but i just wanted to briefly touch upon a few a few bits and a few points just to to highlight my thoughts and feelings on on finding deals and how i've been doing this podcast for a while now and that that process is still exactly the same it's time and it's appreciating and accepting that and going with it and just just moving forward and appreciating that you can make some good money from development and you can find these deals, you've just got to put the time in. And time is your biggest asset and ally. And put that time in. And if you appreciate and understand that from day one, 
you can do very very well from development and it is once you start sourcing land and developments it's so addictive it's the property bug is addictive anyway that when you get rolling and you get momentum you just get so excited this is absolutely no different so that has been the venture property podcast and you have had me today guys so i'm going to let you go i hope you have a fantastic day week whatever if you are listening to this podcast and you want to still enter for the competition for the books you are more than welcome to i'm going to actually recommend a book today which is pretty good so i'm going to recommend a book for you guys and you can get this book completely free all you've got to do is share on social media any social media you want this podcast link so share it and you'll be entered into a competition to win some books not just the book from me the book is 21 lessons for the 21st century and this book i started to read it on the plane when i was flying to zanti recently um, I just read an excerpt from this book in the Wired magazine because I'm a big Wired fan. And immediately bought the book, read it, loved it. It's fantastic. It's going on about how the world is changing and how we should change education and lessons we should learn going forward. And I think it's a fantastic book that all of you will get something from. So that's the book, guys. I'm going to leave it there and I will be back in the next couple of weeks with another podcast. Thank you very much for listening.